Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hello, my friends. I am recording from sunny Arizona. I've been here all week for a mastermind, which has been amazing. For today's legacy series, I have one of my favorite episodes to share with you. The shoulds and shames of weight loss is what it was originally released as. It's kind of the companion guide, I would say, to episode 128, which is everything you ever wanted to know about weight loss. So if you're interested in learning more about weight loss from a physiological perspective, definitely go back to that show, episode 128. It is robust. It is chock full of info. So go there. Today, I'm going to talk more about belief systems and mindsets and really feeling crappy about our weight loss goals. Um, It is the time of year where the weight loss messages are getting a little bit ramped up as we gear up for summer. I am not here to tell you what's right and what's wrong for you. I'm not even here to tell you what your goals should or should not be. By the way, that's what episode 128 is all about. It helps you kind of discern is now even an appropriate time to consider weight loss from a physiological perspective. But this is what this episode is all about, the shoulds and the shames that we all feel when it comes to our bodies and body composition goals and weight loss and all of it. So just a heads up, I do mention the Carb Compatibility Project in this episode. Since it's a re-release, the dates might be a little bit wonky, but the next CCP is going to be run live in September. So we're going to get through the summer and then we're going to come out of the gate hot in September with the Carb Compatibility Project. That is my four-week nutrition program. I love it. You'll love it too. So I look forward to seeing you there. And then I was also talking about the Body Intentions Breakthrough in this episode, which I ran as a live class. And now the good news about that is you can purchase that anytime on the website. It is a course that's available to you anytime. We'll link it up in the show notes. So if what I'm talking about in today's episode resonates with you, then the Body Intentions Breakthrough would be a phenomenal resource for you. You can also take it a step further by enrolling in Manifest Your Health. So we've decided to open up a second beta round of Manifest Your Health in August. And we're gonna be opening enrollment as early as next week for that. So this is a five-week live taught course but you also get free lifetime access to the body intentions breakthrough with the purchase of Manifest Your Health because the two methodologies really play nice together and kind of pull from each other's frameworks. Body intentions breakthrough was originally designed for body 
aesthetic goals, body composition goals, weight loss goals. Whereas manifest your health really encompasses so much more than that. And so if you want to be led through a live experiential practice, you can sign up for manifest your health beta group beta two in August, and you will also receive free lifetime access to the body intentions of breakthroughs. So you can head to the website to check out all of these different resources. Hope to see you there. And without much further ado, here's today's show. Hello, my friends. I am officially back from my trip and ready to record. I went to Florida for a couple of weeks with the fam and then went to Dallas, Texas solo for a seven-day, very intensive um, work training. And this is my first week back at work. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. The big news here is that the Carb Compatibility Project is coming up. We officially start June 6th. This is my four-week nutrition program where I help you dial in your unique carb threshold. That way you can regulate your energy, regulate your mood, your hormones, and support your gut. So this week, I polled folks on Instagram um, who are planning on joining the Carb Compatibility Project to ask what their primary intention of joining was. And 33%, that's the largest percentage of all the options, 33% said weight loss. Now, a few years ago, this probably would have bummed me out a little bit. Like, how are we still here? You know, like, how is this still the thing? The past decade, you know, since I've been doing this work, I have worked with thousands of women who tie up their like entire identity and their entire sense of worth into their weight. Women who have been on a perpetual quest for weight loss for decades. And I don't really like to leverage my programs or any of my work to perpetuate the narrative that weight loss equals salvation, right? Because that's not true. It's a lie that we've bought into. And I've found that this ongoing weight loss quest actually makes women less well. And also, um, there's been this conversation that I've been having for the past couple of years. Um, And because I've been seeing this a lot, I asked a follow-up question on Instagram. Um, Because I don't really feel like there's a ton of space being made for this. Of the people who chose weight loss as their primary objective for the CCP, the Carb Compatibility Project, over 60% said that they felt some type of shame or like weirdness or funkiness about having that as a goal, or that deep down they wanted to choose that option. Like, I want weight loss. I'm doing this because I want the weight loss. They wanted to choose that option, but because they felt such like, internal mind fuckery around it, they chose something else instead. So it's the shoulds and the shames that I want to talk about here for a minute. It's this feeling of like, part of me wants this, but another part of me feels guilty for wanting this, right? I want to lose weight, but gosh, I should know better by now. I've got some body composition goals but I'm all sorts of like messed up about it because I wish it wasn't important to me. Like part of me feels this is really important. And then the other part is like, that shouldn't be important anymore. 
there's other like, uh, you know, there's certain people who have maybe overcome eating disorders. And so they feel that like any body composition goals are no longer an option for them. It's like, it's not even available to them anymore. The, the brain is a meaning-making machine. So if it is attached meaning to weight loss attempts, like, ooh, yikes, that almost killed me, then it's going to potentially present problems for you if you attempt that. We make things mean things, right? And so even though you might have recovered from an eating disorder 15 years ago, you might still say, uh-oh, I have body composition goals. Is this a sign that the eating disorder is coming back? And I've had these conversations with people, which is why I'm bringing them up here. Um, another example of this is uh, maybe someone who has put a chronic illness in recovery and is like, I should just be grateful for what my body has done, right? I should not ask it for any more. I don't want to ask for too much. So I'm curious if you're hearing yourself in any of these examples. When, when part of you wants one thing and part of you wants something else or feels like you shouldn't want that thing, that creates fragmentation. And fragmentation is when one part has a strong desire and another part is in competition or at odds with that part. And fragmentation, just sort of by definition, is the opposite of wholeness. And wholeness is health. So when we fragment ourselves, it really kind of puts us at odds with our overall healing and well-being. Now, you know, if you've listened to the show before, you know I talk a lot about root cause. Fragmentation is at the root of so many things, of our body symptoms, of illnesses, or just like an overall sense of feeling disconnected or feeling like you don't belong or feeling like you can't trust yourself. And oftentimes it's lack of safety that creates fragmentation. And we're going to talk a lot about that today, lack of safety, especially as it relates to food. But food in our bodies is one area where I see fragmentation happening because there's so much this or that when it comes to food, nutrition, health, and healing. You know, it's either this or it's that. There's very little space for both and. There's very little space for and also. There's very little space for the gray area. And I'm going to give an example of exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this is back like maybe January, back at the start of the year. I did a quick video in my stories in, on Instagram. And so many people were responding and it was resonating with so many people that a few people actually asked me, hey, can you turn this into a reel so I can save it and share it? And what I was saying in the video was there is this conflict with some people where we have a multi-billion dollar dieting industry telling us over and over again that weight loss is our salvation. Weight loss is the solution to the problem that is us. And the dieting industry profits off of your shame. It teaches you that you are a problem and it helps you solve that problem through a weight loss diet offer, right? It, it essentially makes you hate yourself because there's a lot of money to be made on you hating yourself. 
Then we have the pendulum swing, which is kind of like the anti-diet world, right? Episode 69 of this podcast, um, I interviewed Dr. Jillian Murphy. She's one of my all-time faves. Uh, uh, It's called Morals, Stigma, Shame, and Food, The Power of Intuitive Eating. And in that episode, she discusses why that pendulum swing is so necessary. So I'm not knocking the pendulum swing. Super, super, super necessary. And I also want to go out and say that I'm not a haze practitioner, health at every size. I'm not a haze practitioner. I'm not an intuitive eating practitioner. I have so much respect for both of these frameworks. Uh, But sometimes how people perceive the messages of the anti-diet world is that we shouldn't want weight loss. And if we want weight loss, we're at odds with ourselves because we really shouldn't be having these feelings. So we're still internalizing the shame and the shoulds. Like something is wrong with us if we want to lose weight. We shouldn't want that. We should be evolved enough to know better. And I'm not saying that this is the intention behind intuitive eating or the intention behind the anti-diet movement. What I am saying is that this is people's, some people's perception. And I know that to be true because people are communicating that to me. Because if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you practice intuitive eating, you're, you're a, a clinician or you're a haze practitioner or an intuitive eating practitioner, I don't want you to get super frustrated with like, oh, Erin doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. I totally understand the intention. And also what I'm saying here is that sometimes the intention is misunderstood. And so sometimes people's perception is that I'm doing it wrong. It can leave people feel like I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't, right? The feeling for some people is that one side is telling me, this is why you need weight loss. And then the other side is telling me, don't you dare want that. So the feeling is I'm wrong, I'm bad, I'm broken either way. And it leads us in the shames and the shoulds and the guilts, and it leaves leaves us fragmented. Jessica Flanagan, um, who you heard from in episode 198, she's one of my old mentors. She is currently studying self-compassion at Stanford, and a lot of her work is based on what she has seen in the last 20 plus years in her clinical practice, where people were going on healing diets and developing eating disorders. She kind of coined the term, I think she did anyway, healing diet orthorexia. She did discuss that in episode um, 198. Over the past few years, she's seen this huge uptick in clients coming to her with eating disorders who are not having success with recovery. They're not having success with traditional eating disorder recovery, and they're also not seeing success through the intuitive eating anti and or anti-diet framework. And so she is like, "Ah, okay, (laughs) what do we do about this? She recently shared an article titled, Interoception in Disordered Eating, a Systemic Review. And I'll pop that uh, link into the show notes for you. But interoception or interoceptive awareness is the ability to identify, to understand, to interpret our body's cues and to act on them in an appropriate way, like respond appropriately. So like I recognize that my body is telling me that I'm hungry, therefore I am going to eat. I recognize that my body is telling me I'm tired, so I'm going to rest. I'm thirsty. I'm going to take a sip of water. And so what this um, this review is showcasing is that people with disordered eating have low interoceptive awareness. 
this can, we can also see this with uh, ADHD as well, which I think is pretty interesting is that some folks, different cohorts of folks uh, actually have a really challenging time understanding their internal body cues. And so what Jessica was saying and like where the potential rub comes in is that for intuitive eating, there are 10 main tenets and two of them involve interceptive awareness, honor your hunger and feel your fullness. Okay. And so, uh, Jessica said intuitive eating and anti-diet movement suggest that all you need to, to do is lean in and listen to body cues like hunger. But guess what skews that trauma? The signal isn't wrong, but the brain can't interpret it. People who can't interpret body signals think they've failed yet again. And I think that this is where our work is trying to slot in. It's, it's not to say that, hey, intuitive eating sucks or, hey, there's no place for um, anti-diet rhetoric. It's really more so to catch the people who feel like no matter what I do, no matter what I try, I am failing. And I know for a fact that intuitive eating works for a lot of people. And I know a lot of really great uh, intuitive eating practitioners. So this is, again, not a dig, not a critique of that framework whatsoever. This is more of a discussion for the people who keep finding themselves in the gray area, who keep have the, having these feelings of like, no matter what I do, I'm doing it wrong. And just like diet, the diet industry is saying, all you got to do to fix yourself is to lose weight. We have really well-intentioned people, and honestly, I've said this myself sometimes, like all you got to do to heal yourself is to honor your hunger. And there's a whole bunch of people who are like, hello, <laughs> hello, help. I cannot, I cannot do that. So where does that leave me, right? In the Carb Compatibility Project, I quote Janine Roth and paraphrasing, it's like, she says, telling somebody to just trust themselves is like throwing them to the wolves, right? Just trust yourself. Just lean in. Just listen to your body. If somebody doesn't have the appropriate tools to do that, those are just words, right? So we have to give them the tools as well. And these are things that you can't just do. You can't just, just let things go. The brain is an efficiency machine. It is trying to make things easier for us. It's all about efficiency, uh, not so much accuracy, efficiency. And so it does that by like grouping things together and categorizing things. And one thing that it does is it, it groups chains of experiences together as emotion. So you, you go through an experience and the brain's like, oh, I'm going to dump that in the anger bucket. Oh, I'm going to put that in the sad bucket. I'm going to put this over there with guilt. I'm going to tuck this away with shame. And we just continuously add to it. And so this is all hardwired in. If you had an early event that linked your body or food or um, your health to shame or to anger or sadness or hurt or fear or guilt. When these things happen now, when you have experiences, now it pulls on that entire chain of emotion, right? And this is why so many of us experience such a significant emotional reaction when it comes to body stuff when it comes to our health, when it comes to food, 
when it comes to dieting. And this is why we can't just let go of old patterns. We actually need tools to disassemble the hard wiring. So I'm teaching a workshop. (laughs) Subconscious reprogramming, in my estimation, is the most powerful and effective way to change your body. So the workshop that I will be teaching, I'm going to be teaching you brain-based health techniques to rewire the brain for optimal health. Like, right, we're going to take it from the top down, the, the, the top of the chain. And you can utilize these practices for any intentions you have for your body. This includes overall health, but this also includes weight loss or fitness or body composition goals. Those are welcome here, right? This is what I mean when I don't really see a space for talking about all the ands, alsos, all of it together. So this, those are welcome. Whatever your goals are, whatever you want to change in your body are welcome. You can bring them to the workshop. We're going to unpack why those things are important to you. We're going to unpack what that means for you, for sure. We're going to question it. We're going to pull it apart. But we're also going to provide tools for you to start to work toward the goals. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. You've probably heard that the human body is mostly water, but what you probably don't know is that everything else in your body is about 50% amino acids. These building blocks of life are essential for health and for fitness. No matter how you like to move, whatever you do to stay fit, amino acids are essential. This is why Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. I drink them every day, usually a couple of times a day, for muscle and for recovery. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk, undergoes rigorous quality testing, and tastes really good. So if you want to naturally boost your energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic recovery, you need to get Keon Aminos. You can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Just go to getkeon.com forward slash funk. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. I've got some great news for you. Element Grapefruit Salt is back. This is a summer exclusive flavor of your favorite electrolytes. If you plan to be sweating at all this summer, you better get some so you can stay optimally hydrated with the right fluid to electrolyte balance. Trust me, you will feel the difference. I always keep packets in my purse, in my gym bag, my beach bag, and my suitcase for travel. Load up on the grapefruit while you can. It's definitely one of the best flavors. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. You get eight single serve packs for free with any Element order. So you get to try all the different flavors. Yum. Get yours at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. That is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. This deal is only available through that link. So try it out. So back to Jeanine Roth, right? I want to give you, I paraphrased the quote. Here's the full, the full shaboogie. The most difficult part of teaching people to respect and listen to their bodies 
is overcoming their conviction that there is nothing to respect. They can't find any place in them that is whole or intact. And so when they hear me say relax, when they hear me say trust yourself, they feel as if I'm asking them to throw themselves to the wolves, banishing them to the wild in ferocious brokenness. She goes on to say, brokenness is learned, not innate, and their work is to find their way back to what is already whole. And so that's exactly what we're looking to do here. It's to identify the fragmentation, to identify the pieces of yourself, your desires that feel at war with one another. I want this but I also want this. I want this, but I feel like I shouldn't want this. When you go to war with yourself, who wins? Who wins? Who wins the war? And I will say it's an interesting thing to be teaching a workshop where we're going to be talking about weight loss because I am not a weight loss nutritionist. Weight loss is not my jump off. And my team of RDs do not consider them weight loss dietitians either. We actually don't work with folks whose primary goal is weight loss simply because we see what happens when folks put weight loss goals on a pedestal above all other health parameters. And I've really spent the majority of my career talking about this. And on top of that, so many of the women coming to us are already under eating. So it just doesn't really feel congruent with our integrity to take on strictly weight loss clients, and that is our prerogative. And that doesn't mean it's wrong to want to lose weight, okay? That's your prerogative because it's your body, it's your life, it's your health, it's your lived experience. And you are not broken, you are not faulty, you are not a burden, you are not a problem if there is a part of you that desires weight loss. So I wanted to create, knowing that I don't work specifically with folks on weight loss goals one-on-one, I wanted to create a resource for folks who feel like they are like out here free falling through this gray area. And like I said, you can use this workshop for optimal health, really for any body intentions that you have, including weight loss, if that's your prerogative. We're trying to build out new pathways in the brain. And that takes time. I'm sure you've, you've heard this um, before, neurons that fire together, wire together. So you have a lot of practice with repeated thought patterns, with repeated beliefs, and therefore repeated behaviors. We all do. Most of us are operating from our subconscious most of the time. So that will continue to refire those neural networks and reinforce the old pathways, which will continue to get more of the same. So it's like same thoughts, same beliefs, same behaviors, create the same thoughts, same beliefs, the same behaviors, and you just continue to produce the same reality. While Some of the concepts that I plan to teach in the workshop will be game changing. Like just hearing it, you're going to be like, oh shit, like, aha, you know, things will click into place for you. The real change comes with practice. I know that's not super sexy. It's not glamorous. It's not super sellable, but it's the truth. So the more you do it, the more it will be hardwired in. Remember the brain is an efficiency machine. So this isn't something that you can just 
change your brain with like just by hearing it once. You do have to repeat it over and over and over again. And so the CCP creates the infrastructure to do that. It's a a month-long training for this, essentially, where we have the time and the space together to repattern. And you get to ask questions along the way. We use the framework of a four-week nutrition plan, which is specifically designed to support metabolic health, brain health, and gut health. And honestly, that's why some people do this, right? It's specifically for the physical support. They want to lower their A1C. They want less brain fog. They want better digestion. They want better poops. Totally fine. Totally valid. Um, Somebody from our last group said, I really enjoyed this program and your approach. I went into this looking for a reset, and that is exactly what this did for me. And I feel good. Less bloated, more energy, and no more fogginess. Awesome. Her goals were physical and her results were physical and that's perfect. But then there are some people who are like, uh, yo, I want to completely change the way I approach food and my approach to fueling myself. And this program also accomplishes that. So last time somebody said, this program has changed the way I approach eating and my food choices. I've learned a lot about my body's reaction to food and my mental approach as well. Somebody else said, I have more energy, less sugar cravings, and it's basically has kept me on track. This wasn't just a class, but a way I can respect myself more. Oh my gosh, my heart. That feels so good in my heart. So we can use the framework And while we're doing this, we can notice and assess our own patterns. And so that is really my answer to the questions that comes up often, which is this, how can you approach a structured food plan without restriction? I love this question. And I think that this is such an important conversation to dive into. So get ready, buckle up because we're going in. My answer to this is self-inquiry. So I'm going to, I can't give you the step-by-step, like step one, do this, step two, do this, because this is really an inner journey, like looking at your patterns, looking at the beliefs that come up. Why do you approach things this way? What does it represent for you? What does it mean? So I'm going to use a real world example. This question came in in one of um, our Facebook groups. So I have a program called Eat to Achieve. It's a 21-day whole foods nutrition program. You can buy it anytime. It's self-study. So a lot of folks like to purchase it if they're waiting for the CCP, because the CCP, we run it live, right? And and Eat to Achieve is totally self-study. So there's nobody like walking you through the steps. Um, Some people just like it as a reset or to use as an elimination diet. So that's available. And somebody who is currently in eat to achieve. She posted this. I have a question regarding diet culture, disordered, restricted eating. Um, I joined the eat to achieve program because I'm ready to transcend my patterns of disordered and restricted eating that for the past few years have shown up in the form of whole 30 cleanses, elimination diets, etc. While each of these programs has helped to clean up my diet, kept me on track with my food choices, and helped me explore functional nutrition, which I believe in, I tend to white knuckle it for the time period that is prescribed of the program and then fall back into poor habits soon after the program ends. I realize that I use them as a way to control, and without them, I seem to be lost. I would like to shift my mindset with this program, um, but since it is the same concept, eliminating dairy, gluten, and grains, 
which my ego feels is restrictive, I'm somewhat afraid I will repeat the same process I am wanting to transcend. Do you have any thoughts on this? And I do. Turns out I have a lot of them. So I read the whole, um, the majority of her post because words are important. I am always listening to people and listening to their words and listening to how they phrase things so I can go in and understand their model of the world. I can understand their belief structures because it's really hard to affect change without first understanding these things. So let's unpack this a little bit further. What I am hearing this person say, I have to white knuckle in order to be successful. She's saying restriction begets results. And I say that because Eat to Achieve provides three different levels. And part of that rationale is to help you leverage your own autonomy when it comes to food. Um, So she mentioned that this plan cuts out dairy and gluten and grains, um, but not all levels do that. Level three does that because it's designed as an elimination style diet. But not all levels do that. So this is where we say, huh, isn't that interesting? This is where we observe our own patterns. And so notice that she just went right to level three, right? She didn't even entertain level one or level two. She was boom, right at level three. That's the plan that pulls out the most food group. So I wonder, is there something about the most restrictive option? Because she's telling me, I don't want to take a restrictive approach. I'm choosing the most restrictive option though. So is there something about the most restrictive option that feels the best to you? Is there something about being the most restrictive that feels like it will promise the best results? Mm, That's like, that is self-inquiry. That's a question for Um, self-inquiry. A friend of mine did Eat to Achieve years ago, like probably like five plus years ago. And she told me she immediately jumped to level three because it seemed like the hardest and the most challenging. And so for her, she had made meaning in her brain. Like I get the most out of things when I choose the hardest, most challenging option. She caught herself throughout the program um, and ended up doing, I don't know, level one or level two. But this is where we have to really start to unpack our own patterns and our own approaches, right? Because the eat to achieve eating plan might not be very different than other eating plans that she's done in the past. However, what is different is this process of self-inquiry in watching your own patterns and your own behaviors. Other things that I heard her say, I am lost without rules, right? So these are beliefs that I I would ask her like, do these beliefs feel true, right? I have to white knuckle in order to be successful. Restriction begets results. I am lost without rules. I can't be left to my own devices with food. I can't trust myself. Dieting and food takes up a lot of space in my life. These food changes feel restrictive to me. So that was my takeaway. So she's already self-identified some of her patterns here, which is huge. Knowing that these things are her old patterns and knowing that her old patterns didn't take her where she wanted to go, she can recognize that it's time to choose a different approach now. No problem can be solved from the same consciousness that created it, right? It's one of my favorite quotes. In other words, if you do what you always did, 
you get what you always got, right? If you want new results, you need a new approach, right? Are we all, are we all together on that? You want new results, you need a new approach, right? But, so we can get that. We can understand that consciously. We can be like, yes, I'm locked in. But before we can try on a new approach, we need to first understand our old approach and the whys behind it. This is the missing link to change because we put our patterns in place for a reason. We can't just get rid of them until we understand the reasons why we built them in the first place. So we have to explore our own beliefs as they relate to food and challenge those beliefs, okay? So the, one of the ways to do this is by asking questions. So if you notice a belief, so I just wrote down a list of um, things that I heard her say, right? And so I would ask, like, do any of these feel like beliefs? Do any of these ring exceptionally true for you? So let's pick, pick one of them. I am lost without rules, right? So we would say, is this true? Where did this belief come from? These are the, the questions. You might want to jot these questions down. Is this true? Where did this belief come from? Is this belief still serving me? What is a better belief I could have about myself, about my body, about food? And what would I like to believe instead? In this last question, I want you to like underline it, highlight it, because this part is huge. This is the thing that will create your new identity. When we're trying to change, we have to make changes based on the new identity, right? Uh, these are concepts and practices that we'll unpack in the workshop, by the way. We don't really have time to like get into that too much here. So example, I am lost without rules, right? I'm choosing that one because I think a lot, a lot of folks can relate to that. Like they, we need the food rules to keep us safe, to keep us structured, to keep us on track. So I would, I would ask, is this true? Is this true? And you might be like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Is it true? a hundred percent of the time? Is it always true? Do you always need food rules to stay on track? Are there other areas of your life where you don't have rules and you do just fine? Are there other areas of your life where you completely are able to trust yourself? Like you don't need a playbook in order to know what to do. That would be something I would think about like a lateral move where you're doing the same thing in a different area of your life. Sometimes when we're looking to disprove a belief about our, ourselves or ask like, is this true? Is this real? We can look for examples of the contrary in other areas of our life. So is there another area in your life where you do not need rules to keep you on track? Next question is, where did this belief come from? And I like to journal on this one. Um, some of our beliefs may have been instilled in childhood. It might ha have been what was modeled to us by our family of origin. Um, it might have been an experience that we went through in life. Um, some of our beliefs might actually be societal programming. Food rules keep me safe. Um, I am not to be trusted without rules. I must be told what to do. Those are pretty common because many of us have been conditioned to feel this way. Remember, like I said, 
the dieting industry, there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of you not trusting yourself. Because if you don't trust yourself around food, you're going to invest some coin into somebody telling you what to do. Um, And then another question is, is this belief still serving me? Because if it's working for you in any way, your subconscious mind is always going to protect that belief. And again, we are going to talk about this more in depth in our workshop because this is a rate limiting step to achieving our goals and to, you know, changing and creating the change that we want to see. Another question, what is a better belief I could have about myself? What would you like to believe instead? If you recognize the belief that I am lost without rules is no longer serving you, if you're like, I'm really ready to let this go, I'm ready to outgrow this, what are you going to replace it with? So I trust myself around food. I feel competent to make my own decisions. I trust myself to know what to eat. You do, you can't just be like, I can't, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. You do have to think about what do you want to replace it with? And this is what we will be practicing for four weeks in the CCP. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's dream set, Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners get 15% off with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. I've got a fun Organifi offer for you, so get ready because I know how much you love these. When you get the Sunrise to Sunset kit, you can also enjoy a free 30-day sample of Pure for a limited time. The Sunrise to Sunset kit helps transform your entire day in three easy steps. A detoxifying morning reset with the green juice, an afternoon energy boost, caffeine-free with the red juice, that's my fave, and a nighttime relaxation tea with the gold, which is like a yummy anti-inflammatory golden milk type situation all packed with superfoods that your body will love. You get an awesome bundle savings on this kit, and for a limited time, you get a 30-day supply of the Brain Boosting Blend Pure for free. Pure helps to repair, protect, and feed your brain cells. Keep that sweet, sweet brain of yours nice and healthy. If you want to save an additional 20% and get free shipping, head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K. Remember, neurons that fire together, wire together. And I want you to think about it like when we're trying to create change from a brain level, we have, I want you to imagine it like two different paths, right? If you're trying to create change, your brain has to make a choice. Are we going to go down the the old path or are we going to go down the new path? The old path, it's like a highway, right? It's like, easy. It's it, You're cruising. It's easy access. You can go super fast. The new pathway hasn't really had a lot of foot traffic yet. It's like an unused footpath in the woods. You kind of have to be like, is it there? You're going to have to like figure out, is that is that where I step? Is that where I step? Anything that we habitually think, feel, or do creates more highway lanes. Those signals get sent effectively. It's easy. It's efficient. It's the path of least resistance. It's what you will choose unless you're actively practicing making new choices. You're going to choose the highway. 
right? It's there. It's easy. It's fast. Those neurons have been firing and wiring together like bingo, bango, dodge Durango. Boom. It's right there. So in the CCP, I'm there to remind you like, hey, remember we're making changes and not just behavioral changes, but also changes on an identity level. And I want, you know, this, this is super important for you to understand whether or not you're signing up for the CCP confusion can be a really big part of change. So personally, I like to be there when people are feeling confused, um, just to remind them that like, hey, this is actually like kind of a necessary step towards change. But it's actually a really good sign of progress when you feel confused because it's a sign that you're not just defaulting to the highway anymore. Because when the brain is trying to make new decisions between, uh, uh, do I choose the highway or do I choose the footpath? It's, it has to consciously choose the new one. And this is when we can register it as confusion, right? But again, it's a good sign. Confusion is a good sign that you're not just reflexively defaulting to old patterns. You are actually building out new hardwiring for your new identity, it can feel a little clunky and that like clunkiness can register as confusion. But, but before we even get to the path, before we can even choose that new path, that new identity, we have to recognize why we're operating from the old identity right? This is, this is major. This is major. This is like, I think my opinion is like, this is where people, um, this is like the thing that really holds people back from really making change. We have to understand why we keep making choices that we don't want to be making anymore. We have to uncover the, the, deeper intention, the deeper meaning behind those choices. Subconsciously, we're trying to get deeper needs met. So we have to figure out like, what are those needs, right? You're not making these choices for no reason. And that's what happens. Like we don't understand ourselves and we're like, why the fuck do I keep doing this? Why the fuck am I back here? And we self-flagellate and we go into like shame and blame. And then that just reinforces those neural pathways of shame and blame. So it's really, really, really hard to make change from that place. So we have to understand what are the deeper needs that we're trying to meet? What is it that we're truly desiring instead of this? And how can we give ourselves that thing that we are truly, truly, truly desiring? So I know that these are like pretty big concepts and we're, like I said, we're going to unpack them more in detail in the workshop because I really want you to like totally understand this, but let's, let me give you a real world example of this. And, um, this is going to be for my Bravo fans because I'm talking about Jackie on Real Housewives of New Jersey. So for those of you who do not watch Bravo Housewives, (gasps) how dare you, first of all, um, but Jackie is a um, very accomplished woman. She, I would say, I don't know how old she is. I would guess she's early to mid 40s. Um, she has four children, I think, Se- seemingly happy marriage. Um, and she has been suffering from an eating disorder for like 20 plus years. In this season, she um, 
acknowledged that and she started seeking treatment for it. And so that was part of the storyline, which was her going through this experience. And she's talked about some of her food rules. One being she can't travel more than four nights. So she had never traveled more than four nights because she couldn't really plan her more than four nights worth of meals. Everything she eats, everything she eats gets weighed and it gets measured. Um, she had mentioned she only eats strawberries for breakfast. Like eating anything other than strawberries for breath- breakfast is like way outside her her comfort zone, her uh, you know, her wheelhouse. These rules, you know, somebody else looking in might be like, these are kind of bonkers, um, but these rules give her a sense of safety. Now, I will say it's a false sense of safety because she really isn't keeping herself safe this way. She does have some health and potential medical concerns, you know, from restricting her food for, for so long. But in her mind, it's not a false sense of safety. It is safety. It's interesting because our beliefs have a real way of protecting themselves. They feel very real to us. They feel like truth. In her mind, in Jackie's mind, this is real. In her mind, food rules keep her skinny. And skinny means love. It means acceptance. It means safety. So for her, food rules mean safety. It's back to that fragmentation piece because we could see this play out on the TV screen. There was a part of her who deeply wanted to get better. She was seeking treatment for the eating disorder. She wanted to get better. She's like, I want this so bad. And there's a part of her that is terrified of what getting better means. So these parts are at odds with each other. That's the fragmentation. So she has this belief, like, I created all of this. I have a good life. I created this love. I created this life. I created this family. I created this wealth as a skinny person. So the fear is, will it all go away if I gain weight? And we, I, one of the episodes, we heard her ask her husband, will you still love me if I gain weight? <sighs> Man, that one, that one tore me up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I was like, ugh. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we've got the physiological needs, we've got safety, and love and belonging is right there, right there. So for Jackie, taking away her food rules takes all of that away from her. It takes away her sense of safety. It takes away her sense of love. It takes away her sense of belonging. So you're starting to understand why it's so hard to change behavior, right? So I'm going to stick with that original belief that I am lost without rules because it's such a common one. And you, you might see yourself somewhere in these two women. If it's not Jackie, perhaps it's the Facebook poster, right? And especially if you judge yourself for these beliefs or habits or patterns, if you're like, I am picking up what you're putting down and man, do I carry a lot of judgment around what all of this. I want to ask you this. 
is there a time in your life where you lost love and you lost belonging? And how did that feel? And was it so painful that you'd do anything to avoid it again? So is it possible that these rules are protecting you from feeling and experiencing that pain again? And if so, isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so can we shift just even slightly, just for a moment, just for a second into self-compassion? Because at the end of the day, what you are saying is that I love me so much that I want to keep myself from experiencing that pain again. And maybe that brings you just a little bit deeper into understanding yourself. And maybe that is what allows you to access just a small moment of self-compassion here. Because there's also a sidecar belief here. And it's this. I don't think I'm strong enough to go through that again. I experienced pain and it fucking hurt. It hurt bad. And I don't think I can handle going through that again. So I'm going to set up all these walls, these boundaries, these rules. I'm going to set up this fortress to protect myself from that experience because I'm not going back there. I'm not going to do it. I don't think I can handle that. It makes me think of Glennon Doyle when she said, we think our job as humans is to avoid pain. Our job as parents is to protect our children from pain. And our job as friends is to fix each other's pain. And maybe that's why we all feel like failure so often, because we all have the wrong description for love. Maybe, these are my thoughts, maybe this is why we all feel like failures at self-love. Maybe it's because we think that self-love is about protecting ourselves from pain, when in reality, it might be about sitting with ourselves through a painful experience. Glennon Doyle says, is it possible that we're trying to protect ourselves from the one thing that will allow us to become the people we dream to be? And so, again, I ask you, Are you starting to understand why it's so hard to change behavior? And are you starting to maybe cut yourself some slack if you're someone who's made a lot of efforts to change but hasn't been able to? And listen, that can apply to weight loss attempts, to getting healthy, to physical fitness goals, to healing a chronic illness, to eating disorder recovery, all of it. All of it is okay. All of it is welcomed here. But if you're not approaching change from a subconscious brain emotion-based level, it's kind of like fighting an uphill battle. It really is. The work that I do with my clients, I see it on four different planes. One is the physical body. Two is the mental body. Three is the emotional body. And four is the energetic body. It is my belief that to take a true root cause approach, we have to hit all four. I personally, I like to meet people at the physical body level. This is why I love nutrition. I love 
food and functional labs. I think it's a, it gives us an entry point into the other bodies. It's an invitation to do the deeper work. And we also have to recognize that we don't just end on the physical plane. We are so much more than that. So if we only approach things from the physical body standpoint, it rarely produces the sustainable, long-lasting results we're after. That's why, you know, the person who wrote into the Facebook group is like, hey, I can do a 21-day or 30-day diet plan, but then after, you know, on day 31, you know, I just go back to the same stuff I was doing before, right? And this is especially true if we're depriving the physical body of what it needs. And we know that most weight loss attempts are rubbish because they include cutting calories. They include restrictive thought patterns, not just restrictive eating patterns, but restrictive thought patterns. They include white knuckling through hunger, which leads to blood sugar crashes and hormone disruptions and low energy and shitty moods and potentially even subsequent binge episodes, which makes us feel like real shitty, real shameful, and leads to more self-flagellation. Like we've got that on lock, right? Right? I'm sure you can all tell me about at least one time where you attempted a health or nutrition plan from that angle. And many of you can probably tell me about like a hundred times. How is that working out for everyone? Not great. Not great, right? That's why we need a new approach. And a sustainable plan, a regenerative plan, a long-term plan, a solid plan should take all of these things into account. It should mitigate unnecessary hunger spikes by stabilizing glucose control through balanced macronutrients and meals. That's the physical body part. It should also include belief in mindset work. Because if we understand the beliefs, the patterns, the whys, the deeper intentions behind why we're making the choices that we do, then we can offer ourselves self-forgiveness and self-compassion as we navigate change, rather than trying to force change from a place of shame and self-loathing. That doesn't work. We got to be done. We got to lay it down. We have to recognize, I've been doing this for a really long time. It's not getting me where I need to go. So I'm going to try something else. So with that said, I hope this was a, I know this was like a big, big topic, meaty topic. If you found um, that you are resonating with some of these concepts, I um, would love for you to share this podcast episode with somebody else who you think it might help. And with that said, I think I'm going to stop recording now and I will catch you next week. Love you guys. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.